I had no idea I would be looking for books on scurvy. <laughs> My name is Rachel Markley. I own Crooked House Books and Paper in Northeast Portland, and I specialize in beautiful and weird old books and paper ephemera. My name is Amanda Doimus. I own Backstory Books and Yarn in Southeast Portland. It is a neighborhood bookshop with used yarn as well as used books. I specialize in craft books and ephemera, African-American literature, and nautical books. I am Elisa Sapphire, and I own another read-through in North Portland. We're a general used bookstore, and we specialize in local authors and LGBTQ authors. So why used books? I don't really think of it that way anymore. I don't think about it as used books. The books I sell are the books that I love. And they're definitely used, but they're old. I do, because people are always asking me for new books. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you look at the new books, it's such a small percentage of all of the books that are out there. Most of the books are used books. Of course. And they don't have to be that used to be used. It's true. <laughs> Once you've bought it the first time, it's used. It doesn't have to be read to no. be used. Isn't that weird? Also true, yeah. yeah. For me, it, it was a matter of wanting books to be more accessible to people. I specifically opened in North Portland in an area that's been gentrified, hoping to, I, mean, I know that I'm part of that gentrification problem, but trying to mitigate that in some way by having more affordable books for people who are still in that neighborhood who've been there for a long time. And used books are just more accessible to people. That said, the area also wants, people are always asking for new books also in our store, so I know what you mean. Well, in terms of accessibility, I started with African-American books and specifically African-American authors and I found, not that I had a budget to start with to get into new books, but even looking at the new books versus all the other books, there were so many more African-American authors that I could find used, especially from the 90s when there was this multicultural movement. There was a boom in publishing African-American authors. All of the books before this year, let's say, new books are a tip of the iceberg. I don't know how it would work to run a new bookstore, store with just new books. It seems like that people who run those stores are constantly having to, you know, they have their stock for just a really brief period of time and turn it over really quickly, which I think is an important thing to do in a store. But to be able to, like you said, sell your favorites, you know, right. like there are books that I want to keep on the shelf forever. I don't want to ever not have certain books because they're worth having. And if you're only selling the newest releases and you can't do that, and just because a book is old doesn't mean it's not worth reading. I did work in the new bookstore world for a couple of years before I bought my first store. And what happened is you're right in a lot of ways the store was very focused on keeping the recent it was all algorithmy everything is based on some formula about what's supposed to be on the shelf and for how long but any new bookstore because I have a lot of respect for people with new bookstores also and any good new bookstore I think similarly to our stores is it reflects its owner and they also backstock is a big part of what they carry but the difference is as you guys know somebody comes in and wants a copy of catcher in the rye they think oh, this is an old book I want to buy it for three dollars or four dollars they don't want to pay fifteen dollars for a new copy I think that used bookstores really fill that void of not just providing people with all the books but providing people with inexpensive options for books that have been around for a long time and new bookstores are not able to do that in the same way so students and people who read a lot but are on budgets and one of the great things about
about used books and used bookstores is that you can kind of do anything. They get to be anything and everything for people and not just the one thing that a new bookstore sort of has to be. I think in new bookstores, there's a, a larger presence of the publisher and the push and pull right. that happens yeah. between the publisher and the bookseller. In used books, one of the questions I'm constantly asked is, where do you get your books? Are these donated? So sourcing books is always interesting and I meet lots of interesting people and one of the things I love about used books is that especially if you're going to someone's house someone's died and you go to buy their books you learn about that person and you learn about individual books and where that book has been how many owners it's had if people have written in it I love it when I find little photos or love notes in books they're full of so many more surprises I think than the stack of shiny new books sometimes it's really sad there have been you know sometimes the story of how the books ended up available to people like us is sad. There have been a few of those occasions that I'm not going to get into because this is a happy occasion. But yeah, I love buying books. I love visiting with a collection and, and the history of it. And that's probably one of my very favorite parts. I don't like the traditional book scouting, the scrapping, the going to the thrift stores and standing in line at the estate sale. I don't do that stuff, but to go into somebody's house and... I feel so often you spend time with, uh, there were a couple of sisters whose mother had died and they're just, you know, there were books everywhere. As I went through them, they would just, they were just telling me stories about the travels she had made. You know, she spent all the time in Mexico in the 50s. And they just had these stories that they kept telling me as I would pull out different books. I'm collecting these books as much as the stories that come with them. I don't get to sell those stories so much. But, <laughs> right. but I love hearing them and just seeing the individual character of the the people in the books together. I love that books do that, that they mark time for people. And, you know, you pull out a book from a shelf and you can talk about where you were when you read it or what trip you were on or all the associations that come with it. I think it's something really magical that sticks in those books, which I love. Even if you can't sell the stories specifically, there's something in there that, that Well, stays. I got the stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get the stories. You know, I look at my shelves and I see these books and think about whoever owned these before would not have considered maybe that they would never have them anymore or that something bad would happen to them they would be thrown out or discarded so I think it honors the the previous owners because there may be several that they continue to find a new place and mark new time for some new person I was building a different collection it's the other thing yeah. I love is people who collect used books I had no idea getting into this the depths of people's collections the weird little niches I've got a guy looking for some books on scurvy I had no idea I would be looking for books on scurvy <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I have something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I have some specific titles I'm looking for. <laughs> I also think as booksellers, we get to build collections. I certainly do. And again, I, what I do is different. I'm not so focused on general used books, but I build collections. That's what I do. A specialty is a collection. It's a different kind of curating, right? I mean, every store yeah. is a, its own collection. Absolutely. And new and used. Yeah, when you curate, I mean, you're curating publishers and whole series and sets and yeah. we curate differently. <laughs> I'm not sure it's as different. I mean, it's different, but I I think you still you have that whatever that core is and then you just build around it you conceptually just, it's the same yeah this whatever the center of it that's what you stay focused on as you continue to broaden it yeah the organization is interesting because there is like a institutional new booksellers like a closed language it's like a this book fits into this section and it may be like oh yes fiction about mermaids that's a thing in this organizational setup right. whereas used booksellers create our own and I learn how specific that is my organization
organization of a section like sports, which is mostly like mountaineering for me, (laughs) you know, maybe women's soccer. It's not usually what people are looking for when they look for sports. Those sort of definitional categories are really different depending on who the bookseller is. That's where things exciting about going into a store. It's always going to be different. No, no store is going to categorize things the same way or or shelf things the same way, which is why every single person who walks in, how are these organized? Yeah. I had a customer liken it to the bookseller's, the artist's palette, how you organize. Yeah, it's part of the feel of the store, right? I do think that knowing the inventory helps when you get the weird requests because you, you can lead someone to the one book you have in poetry that fits that category and then the book in the memoir section that maybe abuts that category and you sort of can walk around and pull individual books from lots of different places in the store that may or may not come close to what they're asking for and then they often find something that is either exactly what they wanted or something really close to it that blows their mind, which they never had heard of before or somehow is exactly right when they hadn't even been asking for it. I'm often concerned when people walk into my store looking for a specific book. I started in library science and what I learned about being at the reference desk is when someone asks you for something, that thing isn't what they're looking for and you have to pull out of them what they're really looking for because they maybe don't quite know. This is the question they've formulated, but they don't know what you know. They don't know how much you can tell them. What kind of an answer you can give them. So I think that the rise of Amazon and people going in and having to put something into a box in order to start Mm -hmm. searching means that when people walk into a bookstore, a used bookstore, they think they need to have a book they're looking for in order to start their process. And I would rather people come in with an idea or, Mm -hmm. hey, I've been thinking about the color purple lately. The color purple was a terrible example because it's actually a book. Um, (laughs) The color blue, let's say. I've been thinking about the color blue. I've been thinking about birds in flight. I've been thinking about the ocean. You know, just coming into a used bookstore is a place to explore. I don't think people pull out the books and flip them open and read a couple pages or a couple words enough. And I think that's really where you start to explore and actually see what's there instead of coming in thinking you're gonna find this one thing. No, that's where the magic happens. I mean, it really is magic. I I don't think anything I love more than what you're just talking about when someone comes in and is able to say that, that they don't know what they want, but it has to do with this. Every one of those interactions is beautiful and I love each one of them so much. It's magic, it really is. One of the great things I think about my weird little shop here because it isn't a regular bookstore. I don't have regular stock. So every single time somebody walks in the door is almost always that experience. Mm -hmm. Once in a while somebody walks in and says, what is this place? And then I tell them and they go, oh, I'll come back when I have more time, which means I'll never see them again. But for most people when they come in, it is that thing because they don't know what to expect or they think they know what to expect and they walk in the door and it is a completely different experience. So then their only choice is to explore it and try and figure out what it is or leave. That's it. I am one of those booksellers who believes in actually talking to the customer and asking questions and you find out great stuff and you can help them on their little process of discovery. It is. It's completely magical and it's really magical for me when it's a child or young people in general. And and for me, a lot of it is I get to teach people about the history of bookselling and bookmaking and I sell a lot of stuff that's more than 100 years old. And for a lot of people, that's like, what? Did they even have books back then? (laughs) 
as booksellers, we get to choose the kind of bookstore that we want, the kind of bookselling that we want to do. And for me, that's such a big part of it is that sort of history and magic, like all mixed together. I think that for most booksellers, that's a big part of it. Even the curmudgeons. If you're bookselling, you must love books and matching them to, with people, right? I mean, that's... Well, if you're bookselling, you don't necessarily love people. Right? <laughs> I said matching the books with people. <laughs> I know, but just loving books. If you don't love people, and you don't have to love all people, but have some kind of genial concept, you're not going to even want to sell your books to people right. because those people, well, they're grubby hands. <laughs> I do think that there are still... I think there used to be more, but there are still a fair number of booksellers and some of these are people that I love and they know I mean this with love. There's this sort of hoarding aspect to some bookselling because I think booksellers see it as their mission to sort of save the books but only the right books which again is the books that we love and that we think matter. We all know this and it's sad to say but every single book in the world doesn't need to be saved but for me the books that I love need to be saved and for you and for you so I think a lot of booksellers they don't love people they love books and they do this because they want to save the books or they just need the books. <laughs> Print on demand is one thing, but then there's the, the whole, the digital book, the ebook that still freaks a lot of people out, I think. But as a bookseller who had a general open shop, when that started, watching many of my customers fall by the wayside through that process and hanging on because it seemed to me at the time, the impact of it wasn't going to be as permanent as people thought. And the idea that everyone would just convert to digital and that real books would go away seemed a ridiculous idea. And it turned out that, yeah, we've kind of maxed out. And in fact, new sales of eBooks are on the decline because it doesn't make sense that it would take up as big a piece of the market as people thought, but it changed it for everybody. I do think the industry on a regular basis and misjudges readers. I think that when they say things like, we can't market a book that's not a specific genre, it misjudges readers. I think when they, I, I just see all the time that they don't have faith in readers who love books. And people saying that like, oh, ebooks are going to ruin the industry, don't have faith in readers who want to hold a book. And there are so many people, like, and not everyone, sure. I mean, there are plenty of people who can read many different ways and that's fine. It's great, actually. Totally. And they don't care how the information comes to them. And that's wonderful. But there are always going to be people who need to hold a book in their hands and who especially love holding, you know, a book from a hundred years ago that that's the only way to get it is in a store like ours. It's like doing direct service work that they're not, they're not with the readers as much. And I think they misjudge them all the time. I think in Portland, we also have a different kind of material culture. That's fair. Personally, I think that you retain a lot more information when you read a physical book. I think that it becomes a part of memory palace and you actually have a physical geography of the book. Just not to say you can't enjoy reading some ebooks. And I know when I was in school, I learned a lot more from paper books. <laughs> All the research shows things. that it's true. And it's also, people love books, but they don't just love books. It turns out people love bookstores. And we're seeing this great new trend of bookstores. It was a little devastating there for a while. And many people couldn't weather the storm between the crashing economy and this sort of thing that's happened in cities like Portland and all over the country where real estate has become prohibitive for people who want to operate a business that doesn't make a lot of money, honestly. Having a bookstore that that used to be in the place where an older couple sold books. People come in all the time and look at me like I am an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done with those old people? <laughs> they were real booksellers. 
Yeah. And I'm a middle-aged woman. I'm not in my 80s. I don't have the uh, the wisdom of the ages. And I'm not an older man, which is what most booksellers are. Is that um, true? In my experience. I think the thing that I've noticed in the last decade and a half is that there's a shift that has been taking place, largely with open shops. And I find that there are more and more women and young women running open shop bookstores now whereas in the past it generally was a man's business book selling used book selling antiquarian book selling rare book selling has historically been a profession for white men and there of course were exceptions and there have been some great women booksellers Sylvia Beach comes immediately yes there always have been not just 20th century right but they have always been in the great minority what a lot of people don't understand in the world of used and rare book selling there are people who are legend you know we have celebrities in our field and people talk about them like they invented books or something I don't know but historically those legends have always been white men there are some wonderful changes happening in the profession related to women and we have some great and important women doing really wonderful things in the world of book selling these days but one of the things that I have noticed is that the open shop dealers have started to trend toward female more than they ever did before. Unfortunately, we still have a long way to go with people of color. And I think that that has a lot to do with opening the doors to it and thinking about it differently and mentorship and lots of other other stuff. This gets me in trouble because I talk about it a lot, but there is still some fairly rampant sexism in this industry. Mm -hmm. And I encounter it on a regular basis. And I encounter it with lots of men who believe that they are helping or that they're open-minded about it. In reality, it can be really difficult, especially when you get into the rare and antiquarian side of the business. It can be really challenging to be a woman doing this. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. I've had to sort of be vouched in by men to sort of get my foot in. I didn't find that to be as much of a case when I had a general neighborhood shop where people walk in and out to buy the regular stuff. But when you start to get into the bigger stuff and shows, it's been different. But people are trying and changes are being made and it's being talked about a lot, which is good. I agree with what you're saying and have myself. I feel when I spend time with antiquarian book dealers, I guess the clearest way to say what I often feel and it may be both my age as a younger bookseller, but also that I'm a woman, I feel like I um, may get... I feel like even the compliments I get have a patronizing tone and that it's often like it's amazing even even a woman can do this <laughs> and and obviously not all booksellers are like that right. but it is the sort of thing that has happened repeatedly but we are starting to get more women rock star antiquarian booksellers absolutely <laughs> yeah definitely and I feel like there's a, a lot of really great things happening in Portland in particular and the Pacific Northwest partly because we have an association where we're helping people through this process but the east coast there's some groundbreaking stuff happening with women, young women in an industry doing it in places where they wouldn't have been able to do it, at least not easily. Things are changing and it's kind of wonderful to get to be a part of it and see it, but there's a long way to go. 
the, the rare antiquarian bookselling is a completely different side of bookselling that I don't see really because I my store is a generally used store and what I see in Portland is a lot of stores like mine are owned and operated by women. What I know about the bookselling community in Portland, which is a bit different from what you guys are talking about, has been so wholly supportive and I don't want to say referral based, but we I think all of us are constantly talking each other's shops and online presences up to customers. If I don't have something that I can't get for somebody, I'm going to refer them to you know someone in our group. I mean, I came into this knowing I'll go ahead and say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> about it. I, I don't think I know a whole lot now either, but but everyone is, is so willing to share information and to help. I do think there's a great collegiality amongst booksellers in general, even with the things that we said earlier about the difficulties. I'll just go ahead and put the plug in right now. We in Portland are really lucky because we do have Cascade Booksellers Association, whose mission is to support the trade of used and rare bookselling. And the way you do that is you support all of the people who do that. This tradition goes back a ways in this community, but in the last few years, we've really grown in this area. People in other places have noticed it. People are interested in, in what's happening here, and we're very lucky in that way, and I think that also helps us foster these new stores with people who didn't necessarily know, who did it because they wanted to, and then hopefully find enough support to be able to continue to do it, whereas I think a lot of booksellers operate in isolation, especially people in small communities, and, you know, we're really lucky because Portland is one of those bookselling cities that there are a few of around the country, thanks in no small part to Powell's. And, and I don't think booksellers in particular want to give enough credit there. Because of a business like Powell's, many of us are able to operate in a way that others can't. Powell's brings a lot of book lovers to the city. And... There's plenty to go around. But anyway, yeah, great collegiality, I think. And I'm always happiest with other booksellers, except when I'm by myself <laughs> with my books. After that, happy with booksellers. I know. My favorite thing about bookselling is finding something, a book, a scrap of paper that seems interesting, but is totally mystifying and trying to discover through research, through reaching out to other people, what is this? Where did it come from and why? And who would be interested in it? My favorite thing about bookselling, gosh, that's really hard because I really kind of like almost, I could tell you my least favorite thing about bookselling. <laughs> really easily? Is the whole data entry piece of it because such a big piece of my business is online book selling. I love researching. I love finding it. I love like learning about it and figuring out how much it's worth and thinking about who's going to want it. But God, I hate the whole part where then, okay, now you have to type these words and these numbers into this box. I think my favorite thing about book selling might be matching the perfect book with the person who maybe really wanted it or the person who didn't know that they wanted it and how you put it right in front of them. I've always loved hand selling which is part of why even when I switched to this model, I wanted to keep an open shop of sorts so that I could still deal with customers and help them find a book that's magic for them. That is hands down my favorite thing. <laughs> I think customers think that I'm doing some sort of, you know, like it's a ploy to get them to come back. When I do that match and I, I find this book for them and I'm so excited that they get this book and they're excited and I want to hear what they think when they're done. I'm like, come back and tell me. I genuinely mean that. <laughs> I want to know. I want to have a discussion with you about this book when you're done. And I think that they just think that I'm like trying to get them back in the, in the door but really I want I love that so much and I, I want to hear how it pans out later which I rarely get but every so often they come back and they do come back all the time and tell me you recommended you know these three books do it again 
<laughs> well, I tell people, tell me if you like, tell me if you didn't like it, please, yeah. because then we can find a better book for exactly. you. Whether you liked it or not, it, it, it will us. help me find the better book. Every time it helps a match. I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah. it's not a computer algorithm, but it is. I mean, it's our own little algorithm. But. Right. Yeah, my trick's trying to match people with books is, oh, you ask people what books they like, and sometimes they just get stuck, and you have to start asking them, like, what's your favorite 80s band? Or, <laughs> just, I just need information of any kind that is personal. <laughs> I get really hung up on the artistry of books in particular periods. Many people who know me know that I'm pretty obsessed with Victorian publishers bindings. Mm, they're so pretty. And publishers bindings in general. But I love figuring out who did this. Who's the artist who created this thing and dust jacket art. The artistry of bookmaking, it's a remarkable thing because it still can be an art, but there was a point when it really was an art and the idea of how books were made and how you acquired them was very different before the 20th century and a lot of people don't know that you used to buy your book unbound and you would take it to a bookbinder who would then put this pretty binding on it or maybe not so pretty because you didn't have very much money so then they just use a plain piece of cowhide. The history of bookmaking is endlessly fascinating to me. Thanks for talking about books you guys. Absolutely. Thanks for having us Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us for our first season of the Another Read Through podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and tell all your friends about it and maybe even some of your enemies. This was a bit of an experiment, so we want to hear from you. We have some ideas that we're really excited about and we want to know what you think. So please reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Another Read or Another Read Through to share your thoughts and requests for next season. Hopefully we'll be back in your feed in the summertime. Until then, check us out at anotherreadthrough.com or on North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, every day starting at 11 a.m. This episode was produced by me, Cal Spivey. Our theme music is by Zach Anger. And as always, happy reading. <laughs>